Welcome to Grief and Gratitude, a podcast by Coffee and Grief. I'm Maria Gibson, and this is my mom, Annie Gudger. We're a mom-daughter team who talk about grief. We started this podcast to learn more about grief and to be part of the conversation in normalizing grief. We're not looking for any answers because there really aren't any. We're just looking for a conversation. My biggest grief was being widowed when I was 28 and pregnant with Maria's older brother. Everything in my world changed, eventually for the good, and that took time. Eventually, there was Scott, my fabulous husband, and Maria, our wonderful daughter. I'm fond of saying that grief is the source of my superpowers. It's where I learned to not take time for granted. It's where I learned compassion and love in a bigger, deeper way. It's where I learned to be a beauty seeker, a joy seeker. I wrote my way through grief. I filled stacks of journals. Years later, I wrote a memoir. The fifth chamber is a story of love and loss and more love. The fifth chamber as in, if your heart had a fifth chamber, what would you fill it with? It's my grief story and how I found my way back to me, how I found my way back to love and a beautiful life. It just came out this September and we'll put a link in the show notes so that you can, you can so you can buy one on Amazon or wherever you like to get your books. For me, I was raised by my mom here who was grieving. Grief was very normalized in our home. It's something we talked about often. The thing I've realized is that when we don't share our griefs, they become secrets and tear people up. But in sharing them, we can connect with each other on a very deep level. Over the past couple of years, I've lost multiple people in my life and several horses and cats. I feel that many deaths in my life have been major benchmarks in how I view the world. Grief is transformative. You don't need to stay stuck in the hard parts. Grief is one of life's certainties. It allows us to connect to each other's humanity. If you're here in the early stages of grief, we're here to say it's hard. We're here to say to be kind to yourself and thank yourself for showing up about what grief can look like in its wholeness. These conversations aren't a prescription. We're just here offering a little bit of hope. So as we like to say, grab your coffee or whatever's in your cup and let's talk. Today, I'm going to read a chapter for you um, from my new book, The Fifth Chamber. And, you know, it's December and we just want to acknowledge that December can be really hard for people who are grieving. Or if you know someone, love someone who's grieving, December can be a really rough month. So I'm going to read the chapter that I called, well, it's called a field guide to Christmas grief. And then we'll talk about, then we'll talk about it and some other things that, that you or your loved one could do around the holidays. A field guide to Christmas grief. One, ask your mom and sisters to check on you daily. Like you haven't for a while. That need has swam back to you in your fears around navigating this first Christmas as a widow. Ask them to call because picking up the phone hurts even though you want to hear their voices, because they're shiny life rafts in your ocean of lonely. Later, this is something you'll do for others because it meant everything to have it done for you. Two, once you've tended to your heart, consider some doingness that can get you through December. Just consider. Three, buy a fire engine red sweatshirt with Ba humbug in big block letters and lights twining through the Ba and the hum and the bug. Four, ask the salesperson if the sweatshirt comes in black or if there's one that says, Merry fucking Christmas, 
When she says no with a wince, go ahead and buy the red Baja Bug one. Five, wear the sweatshirt every day, every December day. Six, wash it when it stinks. Do this at night so you can wear it the next morning. Seven, leave Christmas decorations in the spare room closet in their boxes. Yes, even the stocking your, your mom knit when you were a girl. Knit with your name on top and Santa's beer in Angora. Knit with love, even though you've hung it every Christmas. Eight, no Christmas lights. You can tell the story of 10-year-old you and your stepdad making a giant star in the naked maple tree, a star so big you needed an extension ladder to string the lights. You'll always have that story. Nine, do not bake Christmas cookies. When I say cookie, I mean no spritz, sugar, shortbread, nothing to decorate with icing, no lemon bars or chocolate crinkles, no biscotti. 10, do not bake no-bake cookies. 11, forget Christmas cards. They're a bitch even in a good year. 12, zero Christmas carols, not on the stereo in the car. Oh, avoid stores that play holly jolly Christmas endlessly. Unless carols bring you comfort, unless Dr. Demento carols still make you laugh. 13. Gift buying? Nah. Wait. Give everyone a picture of Jake. Hand them out. Don't wrap them the way mom taught you to make beautiful packages. All those handmade bows, skills you can use later if you choose. 14. If you must watch a Christmas movie, make it the English version of A Christmas Carol all black and white and grainy and crackly, all Jacob Marley clanking his forever chains, his pain he's doomed to carry, his pain he longs to help his friend avoid. 15. Stare out the kitchen window, ash-colored sky, clouds plump with rain. Stare and remember a year ago when you were pregnant and bursting bubbles of Christmas joy, when you wore Kent's Icelandic sweater daily because it fits and you loved its cozy. When you dreamed of this year and your boy's first Christmas, how your family of three would pack it in bliss. 16. Cry. 17. Cry monsoon tears. 18. Cry avalanche tears. 19. Wipe your snotty face with the hem of your Bahambug sweatshirt. 20. Breathe. Breathe some more. 21. Consider how to make art with grief. 22. Paint your own tree, a blue tree on oversized poster board. 23. Look up the Chinese Hanzi for grief and do your best to copy it. 24. Ask Leo, Jake's godfather who is Chinese, if grief in Chinese means danger and opportunity, like you've been told. 25. Half smile when Leo corrects you with dangerous opportunity. Westerners get so hung up on yin and yang, he adds. Not everything is yin and yang, he says, with a mini eye roll. 29, 26, sorry. Paint, paint Hansi grief all over your blue tree, like ornaments. Black squiggles on a blue tree, a bruise of a tree, your new Christmas memory. 27, find 12 flattish round rocks and nestle them at the base of your blue tree gifts, moons, one for each month that you've kept yourself and your boy alive. Write words on the bottom of the rocks where they're hidden, where they're just for you. 28. When your dad comes over and asks, Annie, where's your tree? Show him the blue one, with, the blue with black one you made, even though he won't understand. 
29, when your dad comes back the next day with a mini pine tree in a mini pot, maybe a foot tall, real and piney smelling, decorated with foil squares like packages the size of sugar cubes, tell him, thank you. Because you know he loves you, because you know he's worried about you, because he finds your blue tree disturbing. 30. When you and your dad rock on your heels at the same time, this DNA gesture, hands in pockets, him jiggling loose coins like he does, you searching pocket seams for lint. When this happens, half smile. 31. Know your dad is doing his best to let you have your grief while you are doing your best to not pretend. 32. Days when you can manage a little self-care, make your bed, maybe wash the sheets. Use your favorite comforter and extra pillows, this comfort nest that calls you like siren song. Let the warmth of your waterbed cradle you like the ocean. 33. Write in your journal. Draw too. 34. If you can peek out from under your sad and your achy heart, do something for another. Make a donation to the rescue mission. Because, because while money is thin as thin, because while you pick your cuticles to bleeding over bills, you have a home and food. Not having extra is still having plenty. Do a little good where you can. 35. Remember, December 25th is a sun and moon long. December 26th is coming too. You can hold the hard next to knowing it will all pass. One in each hand. You at the center. Let them talk to each other. What will they say? 26. Ignore everything on this list or pick some of the things, or make a new list, or thumb through your traditions and do any that soothe. Be kind to your tender heart. Be kind to you. That's so good. I mean, I've read it before, but uh, it's fun to hear you read it. Thank you. It's fun to read it. Even though I have a little bit of a cold lingering on, it's still fun to read it. And I honestly did all those things, right? Um, and at the time that I was doing them, you know, you, you know this, if you've read my book, like I had this fabulous support group of young widows and, um, in December, we, I think we met more often than regularly because we were all struggling and, uh, they, they thought my blue tree was fabulous and funny and all the things. And somebody in the group said to me, you should write a book. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to someday, someday I will. And I just wanted to get all that stuff down. Cause to me, it was so important everything in my world was upside down, right? It was the first Christmas of me being widowed. And I didn't, I didn't want to do the things that I'd always done. Like everything in my world had changed. So for me, leaning into the traditions of Christmas that I'd grown up with and that Kent and I had our own wasn't comforting that first year. I went back, to, as you well know, as my daughter, I went back to a lot of those traditions. But that year, everything was different. And um, my mom, your grandma was great about saying like, everything's different. So let's just, let's just make it different. And we did. Yeah. We didn't have a blue tree growing up though. <laughs> we had an artificial Christmas tree. <laughs> Cause that would have been a little crazy. I think to keep that yes, tradition. To keep that tradition might've been a little crazy. No, you had a, you had a 12 foot tree growing up. Yeah. Like no. I went the opposite way and we made, we had a huge tree. Uh, and as, as you were reading, I uh, had to Google if there was 
sweaters that say Merry fucking Christmas. Because I also have said that for a while. And there are now on Etsy. So Oh, see, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I might need one of those for my ugly Christmas sweater. That'd be funny. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't, this is before the internet and this is before Etsy. Right. And so I found that in a department store and I really did ask the salesperson and she was just like, Oh honey, the look on her face. I'm like, okay, no, you don't have it in black either. Okay. I'll take the red one. Yeah. So, uh, I think we just wanted to come and do this special podcast with just us like chatting about the holidays and your book gave us a kickoff to it. Um, we don't really like giving advice. I was often saying, though I feel like these podcasts are a lot of advice. <laughs> um, but just in talking to people and doing this for several years now, the holidays are often hard for lots of people around grief. So we wanted to take the time to acknowledge that and maybe give some ideas of other things you could do or just ways to support people too. Absolutely. I think it's just, it's really important that, you know, nobody knows what you need, but you, right? And if you, if you're struggling, if you have the ability to tell people what you need, that's great. But just as, you know, you hear us say all the time, like, be kind to yourself, be kind to your heart. And I'm going to say that's especially true around this time of year. And just to know that you can navigate it in every year is different. I mean, my kids grew up hearing me say that, right? Um, traditions, we can get really locked into our traditions and think it needs to be that way. And that's just not true. Every year can be different. And so if this is a year that's hard for you, I just would say navigate it in as gentle of a way as you can. And um, and people will understand or they won't. And that's okay too. Like you just, you have to just be good to yourself and know that you're not like it's, you might not want to do the things that you did before. And, and you might, and just to listen to your own heart and, and tell people, tell people what you can tell them so that they, how they can best support you. Right. So like for me that year, I really, I did none of the things because I used to like baking cookies. I loved Christmas music. I loved all the decorations. And, and that year I didn't do any. And Jake was, well, he was less than a year old. He was like nine months old that first Christmas. So that was the other thing. At first, my my dad was like, "What about Jake?" And I said, "He do, he's he's a baby. He doesn't care, right?" Um, you know, I I did it quite differently the following year, but I do think it's just so important that if you're grieving or you know someone who is, that you take the time to acknowledge that this is hard and, um, and see a different a way through it that's going to work for your heart. Um, so as you were kind of talking there, I was also thinking like that grief around the holidays doesn't just have to be the loss of someone, the loss of a loved one. There can be grief around traditions that you expected happening, not happening. There's, well, we always talk about there being grief in so many different aspects of life, but I think there's often a lot of grief around the holidays just in uh, expectations that we thought were coming aren't happening or changed or um, just like that the holidays are supposed to be so merry and happy and everybody love each other yet it seems in talking to people that there's often a lot of disconnect from that expectation that there's sadness around either things not happening or yes happening or family drama or um, 
loss of a job, not being able to buy the presents you want, the economy. There's so many different things that can happen around the holidays that just holding the space for feeling all those emotions and having them. And, you know, like you said that, you know, when we were growing up, like the holidays can look different every year. And that's definitely something that I was raised on. Obviously we had the holidays at different people's houses and um, our house and different people coming over different sides of the family, but we still had the same many traditions throughout that line still. Um, so just that idea of like, the expectations around the holidays don't have to necessarily be met or done or something like that. And I think the holidays also changed a lot with COVID. So we're kind of getting back to like pre-COVID-ish, but COVID changed all of our lives and we don't really know how it's going to affect us in the long run and affect society, I think. So in those few years when we could only have like, I don't know, five, six people over, if that, and some people didn't even have anyone over for fear of COVID, um, we went from those huge holiday gatherings to much smaller and figuring out different ways to navigate family dynamics with COVID, it feels. Um, so there was all that. And so like you had said in your reading there, and I think it's just interesting to reiterate when you said make a new list, like, like you don't have to be stuck to that list of the past, of the expectations of having all the family over different uh, gatherings or missing somebody who might not be with us anymore, whether it is through death or just through life and them moving on and choosing to live differently. So I think there can be so much grief around the holidays. That's why we wanted to kind of come on and talk about some different ideas and uh, just really acknowledge that there is that can be that sadness too that it's not all happy-go-lucky and there's so much stress around the holidays for so many people. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important, um, that acknowledging that it can be hard and, uh, and that's just being human, right. And it's not, it can be wonderful, but it's not necessarily all yippy skippy. And when you are in a grief or, you know, someone who is just to be kind to yourself and, and to make space for that grief and just know it's part of, it's just, it's just part of life. And the holidays are can just, like, everything can feel amped up, right? That's how I always say like at the holidays, it's like throwing gas on that fire and making it more. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be right. That's, um, as I've said so many times, it can look different every year. And in grief, I think it can look especially different. Um, and I know for me that first Christmas after Kent died, um, it actually was, it was liberating for me to paint that Christmas tree instead of having a tree. It felt way more like I was honoring my grief instead of trying to shove myself into the box of this is what Christmas has looked like. Um, and I'm, will always be grateful that my family, my immediate family went along for the ride and they were just like, okay, you do what you need to do. And, um, and they were for the most part, really helpful about it. I mean, um, my mom, your grandma, who always set a beautiful table. Um, and I, I know I wrote about it too in the book. It started with Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving, she was like, everything's different. So we had a Mickey mouse tablecloth and we had mismatched. Everything was mismatched. 
And she had always set this beautiful table with French linens and her gorgeous china and these beautiful candles. And it really looked like a five-year-old's birthday party. <laughs> and, and it was, it was great. And her normally like beautiful serving dishes, she was like, we're going to use foil and paper plates and everything's different. So let's just make it different. And I so appreciated that she did that. Um, and then that just followed through for Christmas. And like I read about, I, I did so many things differently and, and that felt good. That was just like affirming. This is where I am right now. It doesn't mean that's where I'm going to be next year. And next year, the following year was really different for me. Um, I, and I, I went back to many of the traditions that I'd done before, but I also figured out some new ones. Um, and to me, that is one of the pluses of going, of grieving and then figuring out what, what do I want to carry forward? right? Of the traditions, what are ones that bring me joy? So that's part of what we're saying here today too. If there, if there are things that you've done that bring you joy, do those things. But if there are things that just feel like an obligation and make you feel sad, um, you can, you can say no to those things and people will understand. Um, and if they don't, as we've joked about, if they don't understand, well, fuck those people. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's definitely one of our big platforms, I would say. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking too, as you were talking and in my brain reflecting back, like had Kent still been with you or still been alive, he, it would have been a very different Christmas from your Christmases in the past because it was your first Christmas, you know, with a kid. And I think that changes life a lot anyways. So there could have been grief around black, you know, missing traditions or building your own traditions in that way too. But obviously with him gone, it was a bigger, deeper grief, I would assume. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's true. It would have, it would have been different anyway. And we would have had the struggles of, you know, we lived in Washington. Um, Ken's family lived in Denver. They're still in Denver. So, you know, we would have had that push pull of like, of like now what, um, but yeah, it, everything changed. Everything changed. And, and then, and then the next year I had a more, I don't know, regular, I don't know, more traditional Christmas with Jake which was more fun because then he was a year and a half old, right? And and more aware of Santa and all the things. Um, well, and even right now in our family dynamics, your mom has advanced dementia. I always think super dementia, but I don't think that's a medical term. Is down the dementia rabbit hole. Um, so she's my, you know, I she often came to Christmas as a kid and, we celebrate with them and it's very strange to still have a grandparent who is alive, who is not here mentally, who, you know, to celebrate Christmas. And even if we go up and see her at Christmas, she has no idea that it is Christmas time anymore or the holidays. So that has its own grief of like her body is still physically here, but her mind is not. Oh, yeah, no, I definitely, you know, I definitely have grief around that. And um, she's at a point where she doesn't, she doesn't know me. She doesn't know us. She has moments where she, I, I think she recognizes Nan, your aunt, but, um, but she does not, she does not recognize me. Um, for a while I said like, you know, I went for a while. She knew I was somebody that she knew and loved. She wasn't quite sure which daughter I have two other sisters. We look similar. 
that made sense to me. Like I was pretty sure she knew I was a daughter. And then I, then I said like, okay, now I'm just a nice lady who brings her coffee. Um, the last time I was with her, there was very little, she was sleepy a lot of the times, which is a normal part of the progression. Um, but it was really interesting. I started, so I, so I talk, right. So I was giving her the update on the family and I was telling her about what I was doing. I was telling her about the book and telling her about Scott and the kids and, and I got to Nan, my sister, um, and I said, and she's still working at Starbucks. And my mom perked up and said, that's right. And it just like, it made me, it just made my heart happy. Cause you know, while I'm talking, like, I have no idea what's getting in and what's not yet. There was, she had this recognition around my sister working at Starbucks. Um, and I called my sister afterwards and I was like, yeah, this is what happened. I was telling her everybody. And she was not responding, but she definitely responded to you and Starbucks. So, you know, when somebody's dementia is advanced, those are those little moments where you get to see, oh, um, they're here in this moment, right? It's like, I think of it with my mom. I feel like, I don't know if this will make sense, but anybody who's experienced this, I hope you understand. It feels like she stopped in for a moment. Like she dropped back into her body just for this moment to stay high maybe to squeeze my hand. Cause when I sit with her, I pretty much sit and hold her hand. Um, and it's sweet to get to witness that. Um, but there is, yeah, I, I definitely have grief around this Christmas that she is, her body is here, but for the most part, her essence isn't. Yes. I know one of the things that you've been doing recently past year or two, I would say is, um, you, we continue to use grandma's silverware at fancy events. I wouldn't say fancy. It's not everyday silver. At Thanksgiving and Christmas and I don't know what else you use it. Um, but it it's a way to include her and her memory at the dinner table for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, she loved to set a beautiful table and she has beautiful silverware that I now have. And um, I don't use it for every day. But I definitely use it, right? I don't I don't believe in the saving the thing for special and never using it. Like, what's the point of that? But it is a joy for me to bring that out um, and for us all to use it. And it's, you know, it's a, a little way we get to have her at the table with us, right? So we were also thinking about other ways of including people, honoring them at the holidays. Like you could make that person's favorite dish. That's a pretty... People, I definitely do that. Um, I still make my some of my grandparents' favorite food. It's a way to have them with me. Um, I regularly make donations in the in honor of people in my life who have passed. It's a nice way to do some good in the world, um, and it is good for my heart um, to make it in the name of somebody I love. So, whatever your favorite nonprofit is where you like to give your money. It's also a beautiful thing, like to give it in the name of somebody. Oh, as we're talking about a number of different things here today, one of the things that, that we've talked about is um, just taking a social media break around the holidays, right? Um, social media is what it is. And I definitely use it and I appreciate it as a platform. I also recognize that it's like just a snapshot in somebody's life. Um, and I think if, you know, for any of us, if we're having a hard time being on there too much, it's not good for your mental health because we all show like 
that little glimpse of some of our best selves and um, and it's it's not the wholeness the tr- the whole truth about a person. Um, so if looking at people's pictures of their gatherings where uh, it's looking like a lot of joy to you and that's something that you're missing, um, just be kind to yourself and stay away from it for a little bit. For sure. The, the other reason I was thinking of using social media, which would actually be getting onto social media, would be to share a place to share stories about your loved one or um, you could do it on social media or within social gatherings like face-to-face or on Zoom. But I think a great way to, you know, honor and remember your loved ones too is just to continue to share some of your favorite stories and relive those memories um, about them with them and even letting, you know, the younger generation like learn about them through stories. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I'm a writer. It is it is one of my favorite ways to keep people alive and present is to tell is to tell their stories and um and it's it's really fun to do in a group right uh that's how though that's how those stories get passed down and i really do think it's how we keep it's how we keep people with us um i really like your suggestion to as a as a positive way to use social media is to put people's stories there because what happens when it's it's just the nature of storytelling, right? Like when somebody tells their story, other people get to see parts of their story, of their own story in yours. Um, and so when that gets shared, it inspires people to remember something from their own life, from their own person. And they may want to share it or they may just share it. They may just share it in a group. Um, I know what else it made me think of because I do get asked this question about, again, um, around condolence cards. So when I send a condolence card, if I knew the person, I always write a memory of them, right? Because people always say like the most common thing in the card is I don't know what to say. And and that that's true, right? And I always think it's better to say, I don't know what to say than to say nothing. Uh, however, if for all of us are going to have those times that we write those cards, if you have a memory of the person, that's a beautiful thing uh, to reflect to the person, to whoever you're writing to. When I the stack of condolence cards I received after Kent died. Uh, I was grateful for all of them. The ones I kept were the ones that told me, that shared a memory with me. That that meant the world to me. I think as we are moving into December here and um, adding into the holiday season and also the darkest parts of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, I I find that that also uh, can affect, you know, our life, obviously, or here in Oregon, and it's almost five o'clock and it's dark outside, and that just doesn't help me feel good some days. So just acknowledging, you know, all the feelings going on and finding the joy and the love or just finding places to sit and just be okay and sitting in it, I think is really what we're hoping for here. Yeah. Cause all of it, all of it's true, right? Like just to have a real experience with it. It's fine to sit in it. It's, it's fine to see the light in the dark. Um, and just to be true to yourself, to follow your path and listen to your hearts. I'm just such a, I believe so strongly, like when we, in those quiet, quiet moments, our intuition is going to help guide us. 
So listen to what comes to you, listen to your heart. Uh, we would love for you to share any of your ways that you navigate the holidays because um, that is what this conversation is all about, right? Like we don't have the answers. We just wanted to talk about it some, share some ideas, um, and we hope to have more conversation around it. And if you have something that you would that you'd like to share with us, by all means, send us an email. We would be thrilled to get an email from you at coffeeandgrief at gmail.com. And uh, we'll also put up in our Facebook uh, private group, a post here through the holidays that we'd love to see and hear from you. Some of things you do to navigate your grief or traditions you've changed or taken, or if you have a blue painted tree that you did one year, um, we'd love to hear that story in there too. Cause I think in sharing our stories, it allows others to feel connected and also get like ideas and open our uh, mind horizons, the mind horizon mindset around what could be possible or different ways to look at things. So we'll put that up in the coffee and grief community on Facebook. And we also have that email my mom talked about. Absolutely. When um, all those years ago, when I was in my support group and I told them about the blue tree, uh, one of the women right next to me looked at me and said, you should write a book. Right. And that was, that was one of the early seeds of like, yep, someday I'm going to write a book. So I, I love that you said that. And I always am happy to hear other people's stories and um, how they, what they did to navigate, how they got through. Um, we will have our coffee talks for the first Thursday of every month. Uh, coffee talks are hosted on Zoom. We'd love to see you in the Zoom room with us. There's a link on our Facebook page that changes every month about them. There are five different readers reading a personal grief story. And they will be the first Thursday of every month. And then uh, we'll often post them as podcasts too. We will also be offering a free writing class around the holidays and grief uh, on Tuesday, December 19th at noon Pacific. There will be time to write and time to share. We'll have a brief meditation. It's kind of a brief feel of what our 30-day writing class is. You can come and write about a holiday grief or any other type of grief. It would be awesome. We'd love to see you live in the Zoom room. You can get more information on it in the show notes on Facebook or just sign up for the Zoom registration and show up live on Zoom and come write with us. Yeah, it will give you it will give you a little taste of the 30-day group that we run, uh, which the next time we'll be holding that will be February. We'll start February 1st. It's called Write Your Grief Out. And um, we've loved facilitating that group and watching people write some amazing things and have a new experience with their grief. And we put it like right before Christmas, basically, because it can be pretty wild and stressful time for several people. So if you just want to take a break and come with us for an hour, 90 minutes, we'd love to support you and show you a little bit of love there on that Zoom group. Well, as we always like to end with, be good to yourself, be kind to your hearts, drink plenty of water, do something kind for yourself. And if you have the bandwidth, do something kind for another. And with that, 
We'll say goodbye for this time. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for letting us be in your ears and know that we love you, love you. Sending you guys so much love. We love you. And however you celebrate the holidays, we wish you the best. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Bye.